Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Javel. It is nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. That's so good. Okay. Before we begin with your introduction, I would like to talk to you again about, I love to say this all the time, actually, the essence of this show, you know, is to bring guests who have triumphed over one challenges or another, and they came out of it triumphantly, because we believe that the solution to the world's problem is knowledge. And there might be some, someone somewhere in our audience who is stuck up in that situation that the guest we brought came out of triumphantly. So it is going to actually be, actually be a blessing to that individual or people to listen to such persons speak because there might be a piece of information that they need to hear, something that they need to actually hear that is going to transform their lives. So within the next 20 minutes, talk to us, Gerald. I don't know if I pronounced your name correctly. Help me, please. <laughs> oh, pronounce your name correctly. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So talk to us about your story, whatever it is, the challenges, and how you came out of it triumphantly. Let's get started. So uh, I think well, the reason I kind of, I was surprised by you just saying, talk to us. I think that all of us have trials, and I think it takes a lot. They're life sentences. Yeah. We don't come completely out of them. We incorporate them in our life and we learn empowerment eventually, but it's not as if the story's over until we go home to be with the Lord. Yeah. Here on this earth, we 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 kind of deal with them. But my situation was um I was a young girl and I was in my father was a pedophile. And so I suffered from that as a very young child. Um and I remember one day my mom and dad were fighting over the meaning of love. And my abuser called what he did to me love. And I had already been to Sunday school. So I thought if I kill myself, I'll go home and be with Jesus and that'll be fine. So I got up and I went to a window and tried to do it. And I could not. I was too scared. Went back to bed and felt a very warm, strong hand on my stomach and heard a voice say, God is love. And that changed my life forever. So. um I thought I had gotten through it at that time because I found the Lord and I started to serve him with my whole heart. My dad went away to prison. When he came back, he left, he left me alone. Um, but when I got to be 18 and 19 and started to get in that age where you're looking for a husband and started to date, I found violent men and it wasn't easy to get out of it. So, and I, and at night I had nightmares and flashbacks. And so um, I started to go to counseling to learn something about, um, to learn the difference between forgiveness and denial. I think Christian women are taught to put up with violence when they shouldn't. Um, to learn what it means to be empowered and not to um, 
and to embrace empowerment, not to think that it's not humble to be powerful, but indeed it's very humble to accept the power that God has given you and learn what it meant to demand respect from other people. And it's a lifelong journey. Um, and part of that journey was I facilitated support groups for survivors of abuse while I was getting a Master's of Divinity. And um, I also have written a couple of books on the subject. And that's kind of what brings me to you today. Okay. All right. Um, we've got, I've got some questions here. Okay. Are you ready? Good. I am. Okay. okay. So um, let's begin first with this question. What is the difference between um, victim and survival? Okay, so this that's an important question um, because I think a lot of people beat women up with this, like stop acting like a victim, you should be a survivor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they don't fully understand what that means. Okay, so when you, victim's not a dirty word. When you're, when you're a victim of a crime, you didn't have any role in that crime. And you can say I was victimized. Um, a survivor is learning to look back on your past and look at the child who was abused or the adult who was abused and to give them a break by saying, you survived it. You were strong. You did what you needed to do to survive, as opposed to looking back at yourself who was violated with disdain and saying, why couldn't have you gotten out of there? Or look back at yourself like nothing good came out of that. But to look back in your history and say, that little girl survived that abuse, or that woman or that man survived it. I'm still here. And there was something inside of me that enabled me to survive. Right. And it's taking that and appreciating that and using it in your present life to help you face whatever trials you may have presently, to help you the strength that you um, received as a child. A lot of women uh, and men are taught just to push back, forget, forgive and forget, and not to learn anything from it. And what I would like to share with survivors is that you need to look back. You need to look back. The word remember is over um, 5,000 times in the Bible. God expects us to remember. There are whole feasts in the Old Testament where the children of Israel were called to remember. Yeah, and you yeah. remembered, so you went to the same thing again. Hmm. So remember the abuse. Remember the, um, the pain of it. Even remember the anger of it. Then, then congratulate yourself for surviving. And um, also learn from it so you don't find the same person again. I think this is a good time to talk about the difference between forgiveness and denial. For yeah, those of you who are listening. Yeah. So um, Chris, I'm a Christian. My faith is based on forgiveness. God forgave me, so I should forgive others. I, I still believe in that. But what often happens is the church can beat people up by saying you just have to forgive and you have to forget. And yet, um, even when Jesus forgave, Jesus yeah. made this remark that he did not trust them for he knew their hearts. So Jesus allowed himself caution. He allowed, and he told us to be uh, as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. So in forgiveness, in order to forgive someone, you must first admit that they did, did something wrong. I hear a lot of survivors say, my, my abuser did the best they could. Chances are they didn't. They could have done better. Um, they chose to do something that was wrong. 
And so you have to first confess what they did was wrong and it violated me. And you have to hand responsibility of the action completely to the abuser. Denial says what happened to me was not that bad or maybe it was deserved and I should just forget it. Forgiveness um, says what happened to me was horrible. I'm going to give the judgment of that action to God. I'm not going to carry it myself. I'm not going to seek revenge. Mm. I may seek justice, but I'm not going to seek revenge. And it allows you to have this wonderful gift God's given us called caution. I don't have to trust this person again. I don't have to move in with them. I don't have to be their best friend. I can cut them out of my life. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off for it's better to be in heaven than to be in hell. And I know a lot of people who are surviving abuse who are in a type of hell because they refuse to cut that hand, that appendage, which is their abuser, off. This is so, so insightful. You know, I won't lie to you. I am learning. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got another question. Okay. And this is so important, very important. The question is, is healing a journey or a single event? Is it something of process or it just happened once? You get it? I th yeah, I do. I think it can be both. So when someone goes away to retreat and they have a healing, they and then they come back and fall into old patterns. What I like to tell people is that if you grew up with abuse, you don't have just one sore that needs to be healed. You have a bunch of sores. And you may have gone to a Christian retreat or had a time in prayer where God touched something in your life and you felt that healed, but it didn't heal everything. So let's say you had some fear and anxiety and that was healed, but you still may have some issues of codependency that may take time. You still may have problems with your money. You still may have problems with homelessness. I think for the most part, healing can be a journey. And when we're talking about something as big as sexual violation, it takes years to heal all the little sores. But make no mistake about it, there's not just one sore called sexual abuse. There's a whole bunch of them. And, and God will take his time in healing one of those sores at a time. Okay, thank you for answering that question in such a way that it's so easy to understand. Okay, you know, um, how is forgiveness often used against women who are trying to escape violence? I think oftentimes, because um, we live in a culture where, there's, where women tend to be seen as hysterical and men as the head of reason, there's this thought that they're making it up. And that's not necessarily true. Women are the ones, I mean, you take a, a, a traditional home where the man works and the woman stays at home, leave him at home with the kids for two hours and see how things, ha how things work out. <laughs> um, it, it's difficult to manage a bunch of kids in a house and, and oftentimes uh, a job on top of all of that. So, um, but oftentimes the way, if they go into a church and the pastor's a male and the abuser's really good at manipulating because yeah. abusers pick that up early on. That's how they survive. He gets the pastor on their side. Like, I, I'm, I'm working on this. Just let me have her fellowship again. And before you know it, she's being told, well, you need to forgive and forget. 
And I just don't find that biblical at all. I, I think people remember all the way through scriptures. When the apostle Paul said, forgetting the things which lie behind, reaching forward to the high calling of Christ, in context, that's Philippians 3, Paul was talking about, I used to earn my salvation this way. I was a Pharisee. I was, I did all these good things. But now that I found Jesus, I forget about that. And I reach toward the high calling of yeah. what God called me to do. That's not talking about forgetting about abuse. Because the Apostle Paul throughout his letters talks about how people have undermined yeah. his message. He hasn't yeah. forgotten. Yeah. And he talks about people that he could not go and you know, he had to leave the Jewish population. Yeah. And he says, now I'll go to the Gentiles. Yeah. It wasn't that he hadn't forgiven. He realized that relationship wasn't working. Okay. And at that time, praise God, he raised up James to minister to the Jewish people. But Paul had the good sense to walk away from a situation that, that had become abusive. So oftentimes forgiveness and forget means don't seek justice. It means don't um, ask for fairness and don't ask for um, a situation where you'll be treated well. And when the whole idea of covenant and contract in the is biblical, because God makes a covenant with his people, and foreign gods didn't do that, by the way, but our God of Jehovah did, um, Yahweh did. He made a contract with Abraham and then made a contract with Moses. And in that contract, it says, I'll treat you this way, but these are your obligations. And in Ephesians 5, when Paul talks about marriage, it's a contract. And the contract starts with be submissive one to another. So both of you are supposed to be submissive. Then it says wives, as in following the husband, husbands in loving the wife. Mm -hmm. And if that contract is, con is continually broken, you have every right. And I would say obligation to walk away from that contract because he's not a, a faithful covenant keeper. And I think we need to teach women that it's not about um, forgiveness isn't putting up with someone's nonsense. Forgiveness is learning to give the judgment of them to God. So you're not thinking all the time about how can I tell them off so they can understand. That's kind of a myth we have in our heads. If I could just really say the right thing, they'd stop hurting me. When in reality, they might be hurting you no matter what you said. So that speech that you're memorizing, you're going to tell them isn't going to help. Seek justice as much as you can on this earth through the judicial system, but then let God take care of them because only God can change your heart. You can't. God can change your heart. That's so true. You know, I've heard of um, stories where that particular woman, she was abused by her husband severally. He beats her. And I wish she was able to um, listen to this podcast. I bet she would still be alive right now. Yeah. People were telling her that just keep forgiving him and keep staying there. You you are going to get over it one day. She mm -hmm. was she was still staying there there enduring all of the beating until she lost her life, and now she's living. So most people actually does not understand what it means to walk away from abuse. You know, they I, I wish they are able to, and I'm so sure that there is someone who is in that situation whom our conversation is definitely going to transform their lives. Oh, so I've been in the dark for quite some time. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you so very much. I'm so sure. So 
um <laughs> so i've got another question okay you know i'm really enjoying this conversation and i'm so sure that anyone who is going to be listening would also enjoy and it would transform them so um let's talk about your book what inspired you to write your book um so yeah oh well i i have three books so we'll talk about carrie's thorn since that's the subject we're on yeah. um so what inspired that was when i was when i was facilitating support groups for survivors one night we were talking about how every movie and tv series that was about abuse abused women made the women out to be prostitutes or to have an eating disorder or to be totally screwed up or suicidal. There wasn't a story about a normal woman who had gone through this and was going to church and just trying to manage her life, which was all of our stories, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yes, we had problems with understanding why God didn't stop it. But we um, kept our Christian faith. We weren't promiscuous. We weren't going around doing all the things that that people presented. I think it was worse in Christian movies in that they made the woman neurotic and psychotic until she has this epiphany and she forgives the abuser and then everything's wonderful, just like Cinderella tried on the slipper. So I wanted to write a book about a normal Christian girl who was abused at home, it takes her a long time to tell someone. When she does, she's taken out of the home and her life seems worse, but she learns to empower herself. And she goes to church. She has a boyfriend and, and the youth group. and But she learns to struggle through what does it mean to survive abuse and still be a Christian. And what does it mean to empower yourself in this world? And she has a best friend named Lelone. And she has a, um, a boss named Isabel. And they both, um, they all work at this trouble together. And we're introduced to her foster mother who has abuse issues as well. And so Carrie's Thorn is the first book. A Forgotten Door Called Home is the second yeah. book. Okay. Um, and both those books seek to tell that story um, about what does it mean to be abused and yet um, and survive it and still suffer from nightmares and flashbacks, but still what does it mean to be a person of faith and to survive the abuse? Okay. That's going to be a very great resource, I tell you. Okay, but we're still coming back to that. Um, you know, to talk about um, violence, family violence in Christian circles is somehow mm -hmm. difficult. Why do you think it is difficult to talk about that in Christian circles? You know, I think we try to look a little perfect at church, or we think that the problem is already solved because we know Jesus. And I just shared my testimony. I accepted Christ as a little girl when I heard a voice say, God is love, but not all my problems were solved. I had a severe healing at that time. I think God healed me. But as I just mentioned, I had other sores that I didn't even know about that wouldn't come to flourishing until I was old enough to date. And then they came. So I think that we got to get rid of the idea that we're already, re everything is perfect now because we know Jesus and all we have to do is pray things through. We have to realize that Christians can go through addiction. Christians certainly suffer from racism. Christians suffer from sexism. Christians suffer from um, depression and they suffer from violence. 
and to have a church where it's safe to do that. We've also, I think, lifted up marriage as the ideal. You know, I realize that marriage is ordained from God, but so is ordination when someone's ordained. So is a baptism, which is even more important. And so is the Lord's Supper. And um, so is vocations in social work and entertainment. And we need to let people know that marriage is not the end all and everything. I think a lot of people are frightened to be single. And yet the Apostle Paul said that that was the best way to be, is to be single and to serve the Lord. So um, whatever, you know, in the church, it's harder to get a divorce and stay there. And certain churches, they'll make you leave your position of ministry or you'll be shunned. Um, or you'll be told you can never serve the Lord again. And there's no idea of forgiveness in that. Okay. So to um, round up with, what um, lessons would you like people to take away from your books? Well, I'd like people to know that Jesus redeems. (laughs) Even if you don't feel healed completely, And this is where my heart goes out to Christians who says, I left the church because I trusted God and then this bad thing happened to me. So trusting God does not safeguard you against all the violence in this world. And, you know, statistics is that the church is growing the fastest in places like the Congo, where people are violated all the time. It grows the fastest in third world countries that don't have the comforts of this country. So we need to get rid of the idea that if, if if I'm a good Christian, I will have all these wonderful things. If you're, if you're a Christian, you have Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ can redeem your sin. And he can redeem the sin that was perpetrated against you. So I want them to know that. But I also want them to know that the beauty that we find in the Christian faith is found within our suffering. And it's found with God redeeming the suffering, not erasing it. Healing is not the same as erasing. Um, we, we will always have the memory of the abuse, but um, we can look at it from a different perspective as we travel through it with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good takeaway. <laughs> okay, so let us round up by you telling, let's say there is someone listening to the podcast and he or she stuck up with an abusive man someone who abused her a husband and this one says don't you ever leave that one says don't you ever leave him and what would your advice be to her what would you like to say to such person or people so it's a very tough question in that i'd like to tell her to leave but i know that some abusers will follow you and kill you that's a reality but i want to empower the person talking to her to help her to leave. You set aside a certain side, a certain amount of money. So you're not gonna do this all at once, especially if you're financially dependent upon him. Uh, 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 um, you can open a checking account, nowadays women can in the United States without their husband's permission. Um, have the, the statements sent to a PO box so it doesn't go to your house and get a PO box. He doesn't need to know about it and plan and have some money that you've stashed around the house so when you need to get out of there quickly you have a you you'll have enough money to stay at a hotel that night where he can't find you and then find a shelter that's safe 
um, it, it may have to be something that you plan to do, but I would let you know, and I want every pastor that's hearing me, it's perfectly biblical for a woman to leave a violent situation. And Jesus never encouraged people to stay in violent or unhealthy situations. That's why he healed so many people. That's why he empowered women, is that he wanted them to have something better than what they had. And um, I would encourage them that Paul says, as much as it is possible with you, be at peace with all men. You can't be at peace with someone who doesn't want peace. And so I would encourage you to get out and um, make plans to get out. Have a team of people that you can call in the middle of the night or you can get to their house and you know that they'll put you up. But um, have a plan. If he's already violent, violent now, it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It, the cycle of violence is that you commit the violence, then there's this incredible weird intimacy where he asks you forgiveness. And this is where I think forgiveness is used against women. And the woman offers it, and then you bond even more. And you think you're even more in love until the violence hits again. And the, and breaking the, breaking the cycle is about walking away and not coming back. And, and even if you want, and don't feel guilty that you want the love and you want the affection from him. Lots of people want that. God designed us for intimacy. But you're going to have to deny this to you. The peace, the, deny this for yourself in order to have peace. And God may bring someone else along. He may not. But you can't live in that situation. And think of the scripture in Matthew again that it's better to cut your arm off. And when you cut your arm off, Jesus didn't say there won't be any pain in cutting it off. He said, cut your arm off and be in heaven than to be in hell with your whole body. Thank you so very much, Cheryl. Thank you for blessing us with such insight. I tell you, I am blessed. And I know anyone who's going to be listening would also be blessed and transformed. Thank you for honoring the invite. God bless you so much. So that's going to be the head of today's show. Thank you for honoring the invite, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. It was, it was an honor speaking to you. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.